Yeah, hit me with a Y if you are a fan or know of. Hit me with a Y if you are a fan or know of Monsieur Kevin Samuels. Do you know of Kevin Samuels? Have you heard of him? Just hit me with a Y. I need to know where you guys are. Yeah, so about 50-50. So Kevin Samuels was a YouTuber and an image consultant. He's 57 years old. And he took on female delusions of every race. I mean, a lot. he was a black guy. And so a lot of the people who called in were black women. But he dealt with every race. And I think pretty even-handedly. He was more blunt than I would be, but then, of course, I grew up British, where politeness can sometimes be a bit uh, scurvyish. And he just uh, died. Just died. Like 57 years old, he just died. I mean, that's some wild stuff. And did you know that half of all heart attacks... Uh, fatal heart attacks, I think. They occur in men under 65. Now, he was uh, chugging energy drinks like there was no tomorrow. I guess perhaps literally like there was tomorrow. I have no idea what his vaccination status was. I think he traveled quite a bit, but that's no necessary proof of anything. But here's the story. Now, his he, he was very blunt. And again, harsher than I would be, but... You know, tough love has its place, and and he was uh, like razor sharp. I mean, this man debating it was it was impossible to gaslight the man. I mean, he just came back swinging at every fog gaslight redirection. He was a master at piercing through the veil of self delusion, and uh, about as smart a guy as you could possibly imagine. And I think had some good intentions and a good heart, and very passionate about his own community in particular, very passionate about the success of the black community. One of the things that he would talk about quite consistently was that black women in particular now were not as noble and heroic and family-oriented and mature and hardworking as black women in the past. He would regularly say to women, your grandmothers were better than, than you are. And... He was very blunt, and he'd seen a lot in this life, and he had, I mean, do these epic live streams. I never watched one end-to-end. I just dipped into the clips from time to time. But he would do these live streams like hours and hours long. And uh, quite a guy, quite a guy, uh, uh, quite a, an, agent's, an agent for change in this world, and I admired him. I thought he was... Very caring. Now, there's this thing where we have these days, if anyone's upset, it's someone else's fault and it can't be an act of caring. That's not the way I grew up. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily right or wrong. But this idea that if you're upset, that means that something bad is happening, something unloving is happening, it's a very, very big 
you seem to be drinking alcohol with Red Bull. That does not seem like a good combination. It does not seem like a good combination. But yeah, blunt. And there is there is caring in bluntness. There is caring in you know, when you see like the biggest loser, right? Like this this show about extreme dieting doesn't seem to work very well. People tend to pack on the pounds back afterwards because it's an unsustainable lifestyle. The the more dramatic the change, the less sustainable the lifestyle is. And, but you know, you've got people getting yelled at. When I was a coach, uh, when when I was being coached in sports, people would be pretty harsh at me. When I got feedback on writing uh, or creativity or plays that I wrote or auditions that I was doing as an actor and so on, yeah, pretty pretty blunt. People were pretty blunt and there was tough love in all of that. And to me, it's one of the most famous moments in the classic movie, The Godfather, where you've got this singer who's weeping because he's not getting a part in a movie. And uh, it's supposed to be based on Frank Sinatra, perhaps, so I don't know, right? Fontana, I think the singer's name is. And Don Corleone, he's, he's crying and, and, you know, this is acting that, that's quite passionate and so on. And Don Corleone just stands up and slaps him in the face. <laughs> he says, what are you doing? What are you crying for? Be a man. Stop crying. And I think that's the kind of tough love that sometimes... Johnny Fontaine. Thank you, Johnny Fontaine. Can you see all of us? No, you're just audio to me. Just audio to me. Was he blunt about black men? So he would go to a website, something like black statistics or something like that, and he would say, like, you know, half of black men are in the middle class and unmarried. All these women who said, well, I just can't find a good man, or I had a kid with a guy, I was with him for eight years, then we broke up because I needed to self-actualize. And piercing through this delusion, right? Like, there is a time in life where you have to look in the mirror and say, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I am. (laughs) This is where I'm going to be. And it's not going to change a huge amount from here. Now, where that's going to be, I don't know. Could be different for different people, right? I mean, where I am now in what I do is talking to you guys tonight. I just released the first chapter for donors of my new novel called The Future, which is, I think, the greatest thing (laughs) I've ever done. I've been working on it for about 40 years, and I think it's a really great book. And if you want to listen to the first chapter in audiobook, I also did video recording of me gesticulating and shrieking my way through a very passionate first chapter of this book about about a guy coming back from the dead. And... You can get it at freedomain.locals.com. Just sign up for a couple of bucks and I'll be releasing the book premium to people first. So, yeah, freedomain.locals.com. Sign up and, and you can get the book and it's, it's great. I'm really, I'm really taking, I've never taken narrative risks like this before in a book, but I really think it pays off. Really think it pays off. What would it be like to come back from the dead? What would you think of first? Would you have to fast forward through your life or would you see it backwards? How deep would you go? So, yeah, I can read the chat. I can read the chat. I just can't see you guys. So, so Kevin Samuels, a little disappointing. I'll be frank with you. 
A little disappointing. So this is, it's TMZ. I've seen it a couple of other places, so take it with all the grain of salt in the world. Take it with a grain of salt big enough to make Utah look like a salt lick. Says Kevin Samuels, famous for dishing out controversial dating advice on social media, is dead. Sources have confirmed to TMZ. By the way, one of the things that Kevin Samuels would say was, you're average at best when it came to, to women, right? Because he could see them, right? So he could see, you're average at best. Or there was a woman who was a, a bus driver who wanted to, you know, start her own business and run an empire of pet care clinics. And, you know, I think she was in her 30s. She had a kid. And he's like, you're a bus driver. <laughs> like, you're a bus driver. You're in your 30s. Stuff that hasn't happened. You know, I know that there's the Grandma Moses stuff that happens later in life. There's the exception that proves the rule. Stuff that hasn't happened by your 30s probably ain't going to happen. Got to be honest with you. If you haven't become a rock star by your 30s, it's kind of unlikely to have. There are exceptions. There's the guy who ended up singing for ACDC after their singer died, and he was 34 and living with his parents and doing jingles, and he had started his own automotive repair shop and so on. Yes, he got yeeted in, but he'd already been working as a singer for, I don't know, 14 years. He just couldn't make a go of it. And particularly for women, if you're in your 30s, then the kind of guys you can get are the kind of guys you can get. It's about it. There's not some big prince riding over the horizon as you age out of your fertility window. So he would say to women, you know, unmarried women 35 and older are leftovers. Well, welcome to the entire culture of Japan where women 25 and older are called leftovers. I think it's true for men as well. If you're in your late 30s and you're still unmarried, why didn't anyone want you? Why didn't you attract someone or go for someone who you could settle down with? Doesn't mean it can never happen, obviously, but it means... <laughs> like the guy I was talking to some years ago. He said, you know, like I'm in my early 50s and I'm living in my brother's garage, but I don't want to panic. And I'm like, you kind of do. If you're 50 and you're living in your brother's garage, panicking is a really great idea. Like you really want to panic at that point. And this avoidance of panic is one of the reasons why people stay in this perpetual adolescence. You've got to panic when things aren't working out. You've got to panic so the influencer and self-proclaimed image consultant, lifestyle coach, and dating expert died Thursday in Georgia. Oh, don't you love that phrase? Self-proclaimed. <laughs> uh, self you know, because you have to get a PhD in image consultancy in order to be an image consultant. <laughs> was he an image consultant? Why, yes, he was. He would charge $1,000 for an image consultant. See, sometimes more. Was he a lifestyle coach? Absolutely. Was he a dating expert? Well, sure. Because he had a well over a million subscribers on YouTube and 10, 15, 20,000 people would watch his live stream for his dating advice. Was he a dating expert? Well, yeah. If you've got 1.4 million people following you, you've got Lord knows how many millions of views and you've got tens of thousands of people watching your shows live, you're a dating expert. <laughs> You know, it's just self-proclaimed, you know. It's funny because someone can identify as anything these days. Like, you know, just spin the wheel of identity. You can identify as anything these days. Pansexual unicorn. Sure, absolutely. But anybody who would write about me would say a self-proclaimed, quote, philosopher, right? Even though, even though 
I studied it for decades. I have a graduate degree in the history of philosophy. It's how I've been making my living low these 16 years. Close to a billion views and downloads. That's philosopher. I mean, what else are you looking for? But, you know, just self-proclaimed, you know. No, he was an image consultant. He was a lifestyle coach. And he was a dating expert, for sure. So he said, died Thursday in Georgia. According to a police report obtained by TMZ, emergency medical services were called to Kevin's home Thursday morning for a person injured and found Kevin unresponsive on the floor of his apartment. This is the disappointing part for me. And, I mean, I hope I don't disappoint you guys over time, but I try not to, but this is the disappointment. The police report states they talked to a woman who said she met Kevin Wednesday night and spent the night with him at his place in Atlanta. The woman, who was a nurse, said Kevin started to complain of chest pains on Thursday morning. and She tried to help him. She told cops he fell on top of her, so she called 911 and requested a defibrillator from the front desk of the apartment complex. So, one night stand. Guy who's complaining that women just aren't high quality in the black community. Now, maybe black women, I don't know. It doesn't say, right? But complaining that there are too many single mothers, too many men... Too many women who won't commit to men, and he's doing a one-night stand? Come on, really? He fell on top of her, so maybe they were having sex Thursday morning. She was, um, like, he was missionary position or something, or maybe, I guess, back from, from behind or something. And, I mean, I guess he went out with a smile. But, but if you're complaining that people in the black community aren't settling down, getting married having stable long-term monogamous relationships, and then you, you pick up some nurse and bang her like a drum. We assume, right? I mean, met Wednesday night, spent the night with him. Don't, don't invite men or women into your house when you've just met them. Come on, people. Yeah, so uh, Kevin had a huge following on social media, 1.42 million YouTube subscribers often stirred debate with his hot takes on dating and relationships. Recently, Kevin stoked controversy by saying unmarried women over 35 are leftovers. Yeah. He's also been known to publicly embarrass both men and women seeking his dating advice. Okay, come on. If you call into a show, and it, it says that you give up all rights to privacy, you're being broadcast, it says right there on his show, the idea that when people call, and they know what he's like, they know what he's about, they're calling him up for his bluntness publicly embarrassed both men and women seeking his dating advice. So the fact that they're embarrassed, you know, if, if you are, um, if you go to your doctor and you say, you know, I, uh, I, I think I have long COVID because I'm just tired and my joints hurt and so on. And then you get a test, you got no antibodies, you never even likely had COVID. And your doctor says to you, well, you know, you've gained 45 pounds over the lockdown because you've been sitting on your couch binge watching your slow decay and you gain 45 pounds, you haven't exercised in two years. So yes, of course you're low on energy, and of course your joints hurt. You know, and I have trouble getting upstairs. Well, of course you have trouble getting upstairs because you've been sitting on a couch for two years. Is that embarrassing, someone? Just telling them the truth? Is that embarrassing them? You know, if there's one woman who was uh, calling into Kevin Samuel's show, and she was still dreaming of getting together with an ex-boyfriend. She really wanted to know. I wanted to get together with the ex-boyfriend. Love the ex-boyfriend. Can't stop thinking about the ex-boyfriend. And then, about halfway through the conversation, it turns out oh, she's married. 
currently married, publicly, openly fantasizing about getting together with an ex-boyfriend. Well. <laughs> now, if he calls her out as a really terrible wife, is that publicly embarrassing her? He's also been known to publicly embarrass both men and women seeking his dating advice. And that's, I don't know, that's just such a feeling argument. People are embarrassed. That's bad. People are embarrassed. That's bad. Bluntness can hurt. Kevin worked with Future earlier this year, asking the rapper dating questions for a trailer for Future single Worst Day. In the, clip, in the clip, Kevin asked Future how much money he spends on women. Kevin was 57. Rest in peace. Now, the guy apparently was worth a couple of million bucks. He had a $300,000 Maserati or Lamborghini or something like that and a big collection of very expensive cars. And what did that do for him? What did that do for him? All that stuff. All that stuff. Just dead. Just dead. Oh, yeah, the, the delusion popping, right? So, you know, the facts are pretty clear. If you're a 35-year-old woman, and, and this is really tough, and I, I feel for these women. I really do. I feel because they're so lied to, and, and so much basic truth is kept away from them. It's really heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. Like, if you're some 35-year-old woman and you have a 10-year-old son and you want, you know, 666, right? Six figures, over six feet tall, six-inch plush penis, right? You want some stud. Then you have to go through the math. And there are actually websites out there which you should, you should if you're a man or a woman, you should look. Look at these websites. And you can then figure out what percentage of the population, right? So if you're a black woman and you're 35 and you have a 10-year-old son and you want a black man making $100,000 or more who's over six feet tall, who doesn't have any kids of his own, who has no financial dependence, who's not divorced or not going through divorce, not in a relationship, you're looking at what, 1%, 0.1%, 0.5% of the population? That's tough, man. It's tough. What percentage are you looking for? What are the odds of you getting it? And putting yourself, you know, and, and he would ask women. It's a very, very important question. Very important question. He would ask women, how many high-value men are currently trying to wife you? Are auditioning you for the role of wife? Right, the role of side thought, the role of girlfriend, the role of side, peace. That's easy to get for a woman. It's easy to get. I posted this the other day on social media saying, for a woman to brag about having a man sleep with her is about as challenging as getting, for a man to get a woman to accept gifts. <gasps> she took 20 bucks in Venmo. That must mean, <laughs> doesn't mean anything. She'll just take you 20 bucks. Oh, a man slept with me. <laughs> this woman posted to me, 
on social media saying, oh yeah, she said, I read this while I was working out and I just laughed. All I have to do is look at my husband, raise an eyebrow and he's good to go. Ooh. <laughs> but a wife, Kevin Samuel said, and it's a really good, it's a really, really good observation that I thought about for quite some time. I think it's original to him. As I said, very smart fellow. He said, women control access to sex, but men control access to relationships. It's a very powerful thing when you think about it, right? Women control access to sexual activities. Men control access to marriage in particular. And if you ask a woman who thinks she's all that and a slice of bread, <laughs> what's that old song? More than a woman, <laughs> more than a woman to me. What is more than a woman? Said some comedian once, a, a, a woman at a six pack? What is more than a woman? But if you ask a woman, okay, how many high value men are currently auditioning you for the role of wife? It's a big question. It's very humiliating for a woman who has gotten by on providing sexual access in return for male attention. It's very easy. It's very lazy for a woman to offer sexual access. This is the Roe v. Wade thing, right? That if you limit consequence, if you reduce the amount of consequence-free sex that's around and people take the basic advice, the sensible advice, the advice I wish I had been given when I was younger, the basic sensible advice of don't have sex with someone you're not willing to have a baby with. Don't have sex with someone you're not willing to have a baby with. Boy, doesn't that quality control metric just kind of clear everything up in the world, right? Go back and think of all the women you dated in your teens and your 20s and your 30s or whatever, and you say, okay, how many of those women would I have been happy to have a child with? That's the question. And all the women who are saying, wait a minute, you get rid of Roe v. Wade. Abortion becomes restricted. It's going to kill Tinder hookup culture. Now, what that is a call is a call for the trashy guys who just want to have sex because they don't have anything of value or resources to offer a woman to found a family, to be a father, to raise children. It's a call for the white knighting of the trashy men to go out and say, well, wait a minute. Cheap, sleazy, easy, bacteria-prone sexuality is going to go bye-bye if we can't get abortions, to which, of course, a lot of people are like, that would be good, right? <laughs> that would be good for you. Less destruction. Less destruction in this world. And this is why, you know, if it's true, and we may never know for sure, of course, if it's true that Kevin Samuels was having a one-night stand, particularly with, I say a black nurse, not because the race particularly matters, but because he was very focused on the lack of quality women in the black community, but if he's yo-yoing black women on one-night stands, kind of going against the message there, ex-brother. Kind of going against the whole purpose. You really can't complain that women aren't settling down and then have one-night stands. Six-pack abs, yeah, that's another six, right? Hey, Steph, Kevin Samuels stole a lot of his talking points from Tommy Sotomayor. Well, I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I don't know that for sure. A, a lot of people think and come to the same conclusions without necessarily stealing from each other, right? So, yeah, the end of hookup culture is just going to make people happier, even the ones who engage in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's very sad. If it is true that he was doing some one-night stand thing, then 
that's also pretty tragic. And, you know, please take care of your health, my friends. Particularly men. Like, heart attacks are the big thing. I say half of fatal heart attacks occur to men under the age of 65. Don't assume that you're fine. Put yourself through the stress test. Work out. Get yourself checked up. It's my suggestion. My suggestion. All right. So, um, if you have questions or comments, you can type them in. I could also, of course... Somebody says it was a one-night stand and the woman was Mexican. I don't know what they mean. Mestizo? Keep track of your blood pressure, in my opinion. Yeah, just, you know, you're at the, you're at the drugstore, right? You're at the pharmacy. Just, there's usually a free thing there. Just go check it out, right? And, uh, you know, climb some stairs, see how you're doing. And, and if you have any concerns, please, please go to a doctor and get yourself, get yourself checked out. Baby. All right, so um, I'm gonna gonna kick up the audio. I'll put the link in the chat. I'm gonna kick up the audio just in case. And now this echo, this may work, this may not. This like I don't know, weird settings just keep changing on my system for no reason that makes any human or unholy sense. So I will uh, I'll do this here. Let me just start this. Dum dum. This may work. This may work. All right. Let me just make sure. Yeah, that's all right. I'll enable noise suppression. Thank you very much. I already have my noise suppression. All right. So uh, let me just share this. Uh, Friday. Friday. I'm in love. All right. And let me just share this, manage this, manage that, manage the other. Uh, bleh, 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 um, Let me see, how do I? Um, oh, there we go. Oh, looky la. All right, so I'm just going to put this in the chat here and you can join. It's all right. Babe is coming back. Why is gambling addiction so hard to break? Okay, so gambling addiction, in my view, gambling addiction occurs when, as a baby, you didn't get all the free stuff you were supposed to get. Right? All the free love, all the free attention, all the free eye contact, all the free boobs, all the free skin-on-skin contact, all of the free stuff you were supposed to get as a baby. And you ended up having to manipulate your parents into giving you what you needed, right? I mean, I, I did that as a, as a toddler as well, my mother. I knew the things, the steps that I could take in order to get some affection from my mother, and I shamelessly pursued those because if you don't have bread and bread is kept from you, then you steal bread or you manipulate people into giving you bread. And so... Manipulation in order to get free stuff is a foundational drive of a traumatized infancy. And the people who are gambling addicts are trying to get free stuff, which is mother's love, and they can't let go of it because to let go of it would be to confront the aching horror of what they didn't get as a baby. So, Steph, has your daughter ever changed your mind on any big serious topic? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, I'll give you an example. She's a much better loser than I am. I'm, <laughs> well, you know, you, you didn't, I didn't get to the top of the heap of modern intellectualism for a while, for a, quite a while, really, five, five, seven years I was at the top of the heap. Not bad. Now I'm playing jazz clubs. I did stadiums for a while, though, which is fine. It's just a different kind of conversation. But yeah, so my daughter is, she, she plays to enjoy the game. I play to win. You know, it's a bit of a male-female thing, but she has taught me how to really focus on enjoying the game. Now, she didn't consciously do this. She didn't sit there and say, Dad, you're a little too type A winny guy. And But I just saw how much fun she was having, how enjoyable it was for her to play, and how much people wanted to play with her, <laughs> right? How much people wanted to play with her. And she has so many people who just love playing games with her. Me? Well, <laughs> the game called Philosophy, yes. You and I will chat about it to Kingdom Come. But she taught me... And I had conversations with her about that, and, and she schooled me, and I, you know, knelt before her and, and looked up at her Buddha-like instruction on how to enjoy games more without being rapidly competitive, and it's been very good for me. I mean, it's just one of, of probably a dozen things, that this one that sort of popped in my, in my head. But, yes, uh, she has changed my mind on a, a significant wide variety of topics. So... Molyneuxian. I remember I had a, 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 a professor of English when I was at York University, and he knew that I was writing like crazy, and he liked some of my writing, and he said, you know, because you got a silent X at the end of your name, it's going to be tough for you to have a genre of writing, you know, Shakespearean or whatever. He said, Molyneuxian, that's going to be impossible to spell. And he said, maybe, maybe your style of writing could be called Stefanesque. I always remember that, like, Stefanesque, that's very nice. That's very nice. That's very nice. All right. Uh, somebody says, just taking the opportunity to thank you for the new wisdom and perspectives that you are still managing to bring. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Gad Sad said that gambling addiction is mostly a problem with low-status males. I guess they are looking for a cheat code to high status. Well, if you include lotteries, right? Lotteries just a tax on mathematical illiteracy. But the question is, why are they low-status males? So to me, that's cause and effect. Because there are lots of low-status males... I mean, look, I started off as a low-status male. I mean, you know, um, no dad around and, and crazy, literally institutionalized mom and violence and, and trashy neighborhoods and just trashy people and all of that. But I didn't, I mean, I like gambling a lot. In fact, I very rarely gamble. I'll gamble maybe once every five or ten years because I really like it. I find it quite exciting because it distracts you from yourself. It's very absorbing and it's very exciting and there's a real joy when you win because, you know, we all love free stuff. Free stuff is the foundation of civilization. Right. I mean, what is agriculture but free hunting? <laughs> right. What is uh, a remote control but free channel changing without having to get up? Right. What, what is this? This is a conversation where I don't have to drive to all of your houses and get a snack and chat with you in the living room. So it's free. So the lure of free stuff is the foundation of civilization and technological progress and all this kinds of great stuff. So the question is, why are they low-status men? And I would argue that they're low-status men because they have trashy moms who didn't invest in them and didn't care about them and didn't love them. And that lack of love is what is driving the gambling addiction. So just saying, like he's basically saying gambling addiction is, you know, wanting stuff for free. Okay. But that's just another way of saying gambling addiction. It's tautology, right? Gambling is, of course, wanting stuff for free. But if you know, and, and I first thought of this many years ago when I read the 
Diaries of Dostoevsky's Wife because he was an unbelievable gambling addict, just a terrible gambling addict, just, just destroyed their entire finances, and she was unbelievably stressed when they were, I can't remember in which country outside of Russia, and it was uh, horrendous. And uh, his childhood was, I mean, Dostoevsky's childhood was, was unbelievably brutal. And Dostoevsky's father was a landowner, a surf owner, and he treated his serfs so brutally, and he was such a drunk. Dostoevsky's father, that the serfs ganged up, lashed him to a chair, took the two fingers hooked into his nostrils, pulled his head back, and poured liquor down Dostoevsky's father's throat until he died of alcohol poisoning. That's how much they hated him. There is nothing but good in you, so people must see that. If they don't, it's a reflection of their own inner turmoil. I, I, I think that's, that, that there, is, there, is, there is other things than good in me. <laughs> if there was only good in me, I wouldn't have the virtue called virtue. I wouldn't be good if there was only good in me, because I would have no temptation and no darkness, which I do, and I face it down and try and integrate it and work with it the way that everyone else does. Never gamble your Bitcoin. One of my worst mistakes. Luckily, I recovered. Good, good. Steph, what is a man? As someone from a single mom household, I realize that I have some things to unlearn. Never known one personally. So a man is somebody who's willing to take on significant challenges in order to provide and protect for his family and children. You want to provide for your children, want to protect your family. And you're willing to incur the displeasure of others in order to provide for your children and protect your family. Steph, dark question, but why do some people self-harm, like cutting? They self-harm, in my opinion. People, and I've had lots of conversations, dozens and dozens of conversations with people over the years. One, I can't even remember if I released. It was so dark about a woman who literally carved with a knife, carved her mother's insults to her in her legs. Stupid, lazy bitch, dumb, all that stuff. I just carved them into her legs. So people... It is vastly underestimated in this world how many children are surrounded by people who would kill them, who express the desire to kill them. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily throttle them, but abandon them, right? Abandonment for children is a death sentence. It's murder, right? Straight up murder. So there are a lot of people a lot of children grow up surrounded by people who express a desire to kill them. And this is an old Bill Cosby joke, tells you something about Bill Cosby and why he ended up the way he did. Bill Cosby would say, and this is a common statement among fathers, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. That's a death threat, you understand, right? Taking someone out of life, taking someone out of the world is to kill them. When children are beaten with implements, when children are beaten and the parent is out of control, which is almost always the case when children are beaten, children don't know when it's going to end and experience that as death panic, as annihilation panic. Parents who express hatred towards their children, my, my mother would say this on occasion, scream it in the middle of the night, I hate these effing kids. Well, that's a death threat for kids. 
Because if your primary caregiver and the only source of your food and sucker and shelter hates you, your life hangs by a thread. There was a tragic picture during this Roe v. Wade thing of a woman holding up a sign saying, I wish my mother had aborted me. The murder impulse towards fetuses, babies, toddlers, people say, ah, oh, well, you see, you can't, you can't abort the child after the child. Oh, you can even abort the child after the child has become vo- uh, viable. You can even abort the fetus after the fetus has become viable at 40 weeks or whatever, right? Oh, and that's moving back. The viability, the chance for a baby to be viable now is weeks earlier than it was back in 1973 with Roe v. Wade. People say, well, you, you can abort babies even after that. You can abort fetuses even after they're viable outside the womb. Well, you know that a baby is not viable outside. It's outside the womb, but it's not viable. You leave the baby alone, the baby's going to die in, what, 12 hours? Dead. It's not being fed by the umbilical anymore. It's not using its urine to create that amniotic sac, otherwise known as undergraduate. You know, I mean, the child sacrifice society that we live in is truly demonic. Whether I mean, I know it's not common, but there are definitely people out there you know, cheering on the fetus slaughter, right? the combine harvester of selfishness that mows down tens of millions of babies. There's death threats all the time towards kids. It's very common. Very common, particularly in the trashy neighborhoods that I grew in. I could just kill you, say a lot of parents. Get out of the house, say parents. Again, for a kid, that's a death threat, ordering a child out of the house. If you go out, you just don't come home, right? Death threat, right there. So when you're surrounded by people who want you harmed, who want you dead, you internalize that. So people who self-harm are simply acting out the murderous impulses of those around them in order to manage or control their own responses to it. My beliefs about abortion, I mean, I've talked about this before. You can just go to fdrpodcast.com and do a search for abortion. I think abortion is a terrible tragedy and we should do everything as a society possible to minimize its prevalence and we should recognize that there is something foundationally corrupting about the easy... The easy approach to abortion, that, you know, what do they say? It's safe, legal, and rare. It's not rare at all. And like 92% of women are not doing it because of some desperate economic situation. They're not doing it because of rape. They're not doing it because of incest. They're not doing it because of anything that's dangerous. The baby's dangerous. 92% plus of women, and this is statistics run by the people who support, then 92%, just, there's no reason, no particular reason, no particular reason, no particular reason. Yeah, well, the birth control could fail. Okay, well, if the birth control fails and therefore you have no responsibility for the baby, then why are men who say the birth control failed forced to pay for babies? If the woman can opt out unilaterally, why can the man not opt out unilaterally? Well, we all know the reason for that, right? White knighting, deference to women, all tragically common. And yeah, I mean, in in a free society, people would not... They'd be raised well and honorably and peacefully, and they'd be reasoned with. They'd have a high self-esteem, and not vanity, but high, genuine high self-esteem. And so they wouldn't need to bring the me plus sex to the equation, right? 
right? There's a lot of women. It's like me plus whole. That's the equation. Me plus tits and ass and vagina and whatever, right? Me plus sex. Maybe you don't want me, but you want me plus sex. Maybe I'm a shit sandwich to you, but what if I put a lot of icing on you? We won't even be able to taste the other stuff. It's, it's desperate and tragic that so many women feel that they're not worth anything if they're not providing sex. It's horrible. And it, it comes out of really terrible parenting. It comes out of really terrible, terrible, quote, education. It's just awful. Post-birth abortion is legal in Belgium and Netherlands in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really, really, it's really terrible. All right, I'm going to just jump into, Steph, can someone fall in love with hating someone or something? Well, I mean, we all hate something or someone. Hatred is simply a recognition that something out there is threatening your interests, right? Your perceived interests. I mean, maybe they're viable interests, maybe they're not. Threatening the easy accessibility of abortion is going to force women, in a sense, or it's going to provide greater incentives for women to bring qualities of character to relationships rather than merely providing access to sex. That's tough. You know, if you've gotten this massive, if you're a business and you've had a massive subsidy for 15 years, your whole business is aligned along those subsidies. And if that subsidy gets taken away, you're going to panic and freak out, get really angry, panic like some government agency has privatized the workers there who are lazy and entitled and bad at what they do, and right? They're just, boom. So when you take away a subsidy, people panic. And when you take away a subsidy called consequence-free sexuality, then a man has to look at a woman and say, okay, well, if she gets pregnant and there's not an easy abortion to be had... Do I like this person, right? Will I, would I be willing to have a child with this person? Well, when you put that equation in your testicles called, we only want to swing and hang close to something where a baby could come out and we'll be happy about it, that's a, different, that's a whole different standard, right? And all the women who've poured all of their resources into looking good and having a flat belly and, and lots of makeup and, and working out and so on, well, everything that they've done in that direction is something they haven't done in the direction of being a quality person, being someone you can trust, being someone you can love, being someone who'll bring you chicken soup when you're sick, being somebody who'd be a great mother for your children. They've gone in the opposite direction. And if the standards change underfoot to the point where being hot is less valuable than being good, then all the people who've dedicated themselves to hotness are going to lose that subsidy. They, they've gone in the wrong direction. They're going to panic. They're going to freak out. And Elizabeth Warren apparently is on the warpath about this. She is their goddess of some kind. Would you ever consider playing the new Doom game when it comes out? Eh, I, I dipped a little bit into Elden Ring, but I, I don't know what the story is. It, it seems to me like it just tries to turn you into a psychopath by just having you wander around and kill things. I don't know what the story is. I mean, I remember with... with um, Skyrim, like you started, and there was a story, and you had something you had to do right away, and then you got your quests, and 
I don't know. I don't. I mean, it's beautiful. The art is beautiful, and the environment is beautiful. Combat system's interesting. It's okay, but I don't know what the point of the game is. I don't know what you're supposed to be doing, at all. <sighs> Let's see here. What are your thoughts about the Plan B pill? I don't know what the Plan B pill is. So if uh, if you could let me know, I'd appreciate it. All right. Let me just uh, dip over here to the alternate platform. Platform. <laughs> platform. Um, and did I give you guys this link? I'll do it again in case you want to join and talk. I'm happy to hear what you have to say. And by the way, justpoornovel.com, almostnovel.com, fdrurl.com forward slash TGOA for the God of Atheists. Free books. And my new novel, which is Really, it's wild. I've never, ever done anything like this before, and I'm incredibly pleased with how it came out. But uh, you can get that at uh, freedomain.locals.com. You, you can subscribe, but again, it's very cheap. To do so, it's a couple of bucks a month if you want, and you can get the novel, which is wild and may, in fact, be a classic at some point. All right. Oh, yeah, housing bubble, pretty wild. You can look at this graph. It's 70 years. January 31st, 1952 to January 31st, 2022. Uh, this current housing bubble is way higher. Home price median, home price to medium income ratio. And again, that's just through to January without the medium income, median income ratio going down now. But the line is way higher than the housing bubble of 0708. Pretty wild. Uh, yeah, half of, half of fatal heart attacks and strokes are under 65. Yeah, women on TikTok say hookup culture will be absolutely decimated if Roe v. Wade is overturned. OMG, I'm entering my celibacy era? A user commented below, to which the video creator replied that she had the same thought the second the news came out. We all need to collectively agree to never touch another man again if it gets overturned, another TikToker commented. Another user declared that they were deleting all dating apps as we speak. <laughs> Oh, it's really tragic. I mean, it's really that that women have now grown up. Well, I'm using the term rather loosely. <laughs> women have grown up with the belief that the best argument they can make is to not hand out blowjobs like Halloween candy. <laughs> I mean, isn't that tragic? I'm upset, and I want the world to change, so I'm going to withhold. <laughs> I'm going to withhold cheap and easy sex. Sorry, you'll have to get your bacteria someplace else. This herpes ain't going to use me as a ground zero. Ain't going to use me as a typhoid Mary. I mean, how tragic. What a horrible confession it is. And it is, of course, not hard to see that the women who most threaten to withhold sex are those least in danger of being in demand. Uh, I was you hear me? People who let losers come in are uh, pretty Roe. mad about Roe. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um, right, yeah. But, you know, it'll be good for them in the long run because they have been so appallingly lied to that they just don't... don't have anything of value to offer. And, and this is sort of the end result of these liberated women is used up by the alphas, right? You know, 
90% of women are chasing, chasing 10% of the men. It's fun for those 10% of the men for a while, although it breaks their heart as well. And this is the churning testicular conveyor belt that's just producing bitter and angry women addicted to antidepressants when they get into their 40s and 50s. And the spike of middle-aged women using antidepressants, particularly white women, is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And this is the modern liberated woman, right? Used as a bicycle by a bunch of alphas she think she thinks will commit to her when they're really only there for sex. They alphas, by having sex with her, raise her standards to the point where an average regular guy can't compete. Creating resentment among the men, creating resentment and ridiculously high standards among the women. <laughs> Kevin Samuels was talking to some woman, I think she was Italian, and she was a hair cutter. And she's like, yeah, no, I'd like to get a guy who's an entrepreneur together, we'll start an empire. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're a hair cutter. Nothing wrong with being a hair cutter. People need their hair cut. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a fine, fine profession. No shame in it. But the idea that you're about to Steve Jobs up the place when you're in your late 20s and you're a hair cutter, just be content with where you are. There's nothing wrong with being a hair cutter or a bus driver. It's not these things that are bad. It's that everyone feels like they're just temporarily embarrassed from their natural path to be a rock star or, or a movie star or a business mogul or I don't know what. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm just hanging out here, but, you know, boy, any minute now I'm going to get yeeted up into the stratosphere of the top one-tenth of one-tenth of one percent and I'm going to run half the planet. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm not. It's not going to happen. You know, it's true that I'm 55, but I really think I'm going to get into ballet <laughs> any time now. <laughs> oh, my God, it's just appalling. It's just appalling. This everyone gets a trophy, everyone's a winner, everyone's special. No. Most people, by definition, are average, and there's nothing wrong with average. It's just if you think that you're temporarily embarrassed from your stratospheric success as a hamana 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 all that's going to happen is you won't be able to settle down you won't be able to find someone appropriate to your station you won't be able to be happy you won't be able to be content and you won't be able to you know people want to be you know millionaires and rock stars and business moguls and whatever right the problem is that that keeps them the vast majority of people aren't creative. It's not an insult. They do that and not creative. And if you are creative, and I mean really creative, like you've really dedicated yourself to creating things of beauty and power in this world. If you are creative, you know just how many people aren't creative. When I first started writing novels, well, I mean the first novel I wrote, I was 11, but when I first started seriously writing novels, my first novel was called Revolutions, and it was set in a generation before the Russian Revolution because I wanted to really trace the ideas and thoughts that went into the Russian Revolution, which always show up about a generation before. Like the generation that's now woke, the real ideas showed up about a generation ago, and they just have to worm their way through the educational system and program people properly. And I remember working on that book. I worked really hard on that book. I worked really hard on all my books. They're 
it's tough because even your favorite stuff you have to ditch if it doesn't serve the story. It's a genocide of quality to produce something of integrity. But, I, you know, I, I worked all, uh, all summer on, on a book and I went to university in the fall and people said, what did you do with your summer? I said, well, you know, I had a job and I was, I'm working on this book. They said, oh, how's it coming? I said, well, I finished the second draft, but I, I, I still have a lot of work to do on it. I said, oh, how long is it? Oh, I don't know, 500 pages, something like that. And they're like, oh my God. You know, I, I, I've always wanted to write a book. I don't understand that. I just, I fundamentally don't. Always wanted to do something? Fucking do it. <laughs> What's that mean? I've always wanted to get up and sing karaoke. You know, there's about 10 million of them every night. Just pick up a microphone and go sing karaoke. I've always wanted to write a book. Well, wanting to write a book is, isn't going to do it. If you wake up and you have to write the book and you feel you'll be robbing the world if you don't and you regret it for the rest of your life, if you don't write the book, maybe you got a 50-50 chance. But just wanting to do something, I just... You know, for me, I give myself like maybe a year, maybe a year, usually about six months. If I have an, a, a desire to do something or an urge to do something, and I, I invite you to think about life this way. It's going to save you a hell of a lot of time. Have you really focus on stuff that's sustainable? Give myself about six months, right? So every now and then I thought, oh, it'd be nice to learn piano. Like I did 10 years of violin. I'm pretty musical, but that'd be nice to, nice, nice to learn piano, right? Okay, so I give myself a couple of months. Am I sitting down learning piano? Now, when my daughter was learning piano, I sat down with her and I did a bunch of piano and so on. And it was fine. It was fine. It was nice. Because I could read music because of my time in orchestras and, and playing violin and so on. And I thought, yeah, this is nice. This is nice. But it wasn't compelling enough for me to keep doing it. Because for me, everything competes with philosophy. Everything competes with philosophy. If I could take dictation while I was taking a dump, I would. <laughs> but so I sort of gave myself a couple of months. Do I want to do this? I'm, you know, doing it with my daughter. It's kind of fun. It's kind of enjoyable. But cost benefit, life's short. And everything now is double or triple what it used to be because my life is two thirds done, probably. Maybe more. And my time left is just much more valuable than the time in the past. So something that I would consider putting 10 hours into when I was 20 is now 30 hours because I have to adjust, right? You know, like if you make some money, you have to adjust down and something that was 50 bucks you have to think of. Like if you have 10 times the money that you used to have, you know, you broke ass student and then you end up with your first job. Okay, well, you have to adjust things a little bit, right? So that which used to be 50 bucks, you now have to think of as five bucks, right? I used to live on, I don't know, $5,000 a year when I was a student and then I got my first job at $40,000 as a computer program and my first real job. So I just had to adjust, right? I had to adjust myself and say, okay, well, I'm making more money now, so I can't be so paranoid about every dollar that goes out, right? So a $20 meal is five bucks. I have to just readjust things, right? It's the same thing with, with time. So I just looked at that and I said, okay, well, I've kind of had this idea that I'm going to learn piano over the course of my life here and there. And I took piano when I was little, but I went to violin for various reasons. And as I like to sing, knowing to play piano would be kind of cool. But what am I going to do? I mean, I cut an album for God's sake. No, I'm going to rather do philosophy. And there's way better singers and piano players out there, but I think not so many greater philosophers. So you just sit there and you say, oh, well, I haven't done it. At some point in your life, you have to say, I'm <laughs> cutting that off. That's just 
Shit, I'm dragging around. I've got a barrel called I'm going to one day. Nope. <laughs> Cut it off. Let it loose. Let it go. Right, just let it go. Saw it off, baby. Amputate it. So I always wanted to write books. When I was 11, I started writing books. There you go. The people who make it in the music industry. What's it, Dave Grohl saying, you know, all these auto-tune magicians now, it's like, what you do is you just get your friends together when you're 12 and you just start playing in a garage and you keep playing for 10 years until you get okay at it or pretty good. Give yourself a cutoff time and saw off any delusions you have about things that you just haven't done because if you just haven't done them, you're not going to do them. And having all of these things floating around you, like the moons of Jupiter that you're just going to do one day or maybe get around to one day, or I'm going to read all of this one day, I'm going to learn that language one day, I'm going to learn piano one day, one day I'm going to learn, learn, learn right? Nope. It's like duck hunting. Take him out. Take him out back, bury him, and focus on something that you really feel like you have to do rather than something that maybe one day you'll do. Because everything that you got clouding around you that you may do one day is obscuring the view of the one thing that you might be able to do that would really make a big difference and that you won't ever have to convince yourself to do. Okay. So you criticized him for uh, having a one-night stand. And I was just wondering, I mean, just like as two consenting adults, I mean, is having a one-night stand, is that like a violation of UPB? No. How, how would it be a violation of UPB? Is it the initiation of force? Well, that's uh, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking if it is a violation because uh, I was just wondering, like, uh, why criticize him for it if it's not? And it's just a question. I'm not attacking you. Oh no, I didn't think you were attacking. But there's quite a lot to unpack in what you're what you're saying. So, first of all, I didn't criticize him for having a one night stand. That's only half the equation. Just you know, to be to be accurate and and. Honest, I suppose. So what, just just so we're on the same page, what did I criticize him for? Um, you, you, uh, sorry, Steph, I'm actually a huge fan of yours. I'm just going to keep it 100 with you. Those that are, uh, You're just going to what? Um, keep it 100 with you. Listen, I'm not attacking you either. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page, right? Because I didn't, I didn't criticize him for having a one night stand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just, uh, it just kind of seemed to me that uh, you were kind of alluding to the possibility that he was a hypocrite by having a one night stand. Uh, oh no, I didn't allude to the possibility. I called him a hypocrite for saying that women weren't settling down with good men and then going around having one night stands because I assume he was single. I think he was married at some point in the past. He's kept his pretty, his private life pretty private for you know obvious reasons. But oh, you're correct. He, it's he, he, it's he not been... that he had a one night stand. I don't think they're wise. But if 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 some pickup artist who says one night stands are the way to go, and then he goes and has a one night stand, okay, well, I don't agree with his decision. But he's not being hypocritical because he's following his stated goals. Now his stated goals was to improve the quality of monogamous relationships, particularly in the black community. That was the stated goal of Kevin Samuels repeatedly, right? To improve the quality of monogamous relationships and to have people make wiser dating decisions to settle down, to be stable providers and good wives and so on. And then 
I assume that this was not his only one-night stand. If he has a regular habit of having one-night stands while claiming, in particular within the black community, to promote and to argue for and, in a sense, to embarrass people for not following the goal of stable monogamous relationships, that's bad, right? That That's hypocritical. I mean, com- do you agree with at least that, whether you agree with the one-night stand criticism or not? Do you agree that he was not following, in fact, he was doing the opposite of his stated values and goals? Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, imagine imagine a woman had called in and she was a counselor who was working her whole life to try and make sure that men and women had stable long-term relationships. And then she said, oh yeah, by the way, I have huge amounts of one-night stands. What would Kevin Samuel say to such a woman? Oh, he'd have a field day. He would have a field day. Why is being hypocritical bad, somebody asks? Because you're lying and you're discrediting virtues and values, right? So, um, now, what's interesting, and I don't, I've, I don't know this about Kevin Samuels, and we probably never will know unless a lot of people say it, but here's the thing. So, is sleeping with a woman a UPB violation? No, it's not. Because the four... Moral crimes banned by UPP are rape, theft, assault, and murder. Doesn't fall under the category of rape because it's consensual. Obviously not murder, is it not theft, it's not, right, assault. But here's the problem. And this is where a gray area exists, right? If... So Kevin Samuels, being a wealthy fellow, having a collection of expensive cars and a $300,000 Lamborghini or something like that. That is a massive honey trap for women, right? So some women, you know, a lot of women are struggling with their bills and, and you know, there's, there's people screaming at the top of their lungs, you know, what are women supposed to do with their children if they have to go to work? It's like, well... I don't really know how to answer that because women know that you have to go to work and someone has to take care of your kids. They know that, right? So if Kevin Samuels or someone like Kevin Samuels, and I don't know this, it's just a theory, right? But if what he did was invited women to his place and kind of let his expensive stuff do the talking. So, so many women really struggle with money. They really struggle with bills. They're heavily in debt. They've got student loans. They've, you know, I remember, as I said before on the show, going on to some date with some woman who said, oh yeah, my my ex-boyfriend stiffed me for $17,000 in credit card debt, to which I was like, well, I'll pay for coffee, but that's it for us, man, because if those are your judgments, uh, I'm not part of this decision matrix at all, right? Sorry, you're clearly not very good at judging characters, so you won't be able to see the quality in me. So a lot of women, unbelievably stressed about money, unbelievably stressed about paying their bills and being in debt and juggling credit card debt and student debt. And, oh, it's brutal. It's, it's brutal. Women are significantly more in debt than men because men are just terrified of debt, All right? Because the reason why men are terrified of debt is because we can't sleep with anyone to pay our debt off, right? Whereas a lot of women, you know, this is kind of standard thing that happens where some woman marries a guy 
she's heavily in debt and then divorces him like three days after he finally finishes paying off all her debts, right? It's a very predictable thing that women can see and men can't, right? And so a lot of women just really struggle with money. It's brutal. And you talk to, talk to young women about, you know, how they pay their bills. And it's really tough. It's really, there's a lot of fog out there, a lot of, well, something's going to happen, something's going to show up, something's going to turn up. And what they mean by that is they believe, and they've a lot of propaganda that, that has them going down this, this path, but they believe that just some white knight is going to come in and take all their financial stress away. Oh, it's just going to get, it's going to be fine. Some, some magic is going to happen. Some government program, some debt relief, some student debt forgiveness, some guy's going to come along, some thing. They're going to get incomprehensible careers as life coaches and motivational speakers. And, right? So they just really stressed about money. A lot of women are really stressed about money, young women in particular. And, and they've a lot of times gotten into debt for things that just aren't going to make the money. They got in, like, there was an old Sex in the City episode where I think Miranda was saying to the Shaggy Herd character, I don't remember, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, what do you mean you can't afford a condo? you got $40,000 worth of shoes here. you got a hundred pairs of $400 shoes. you got $40,000 worth of shoes here. You could have used that as a down payment for an apartment back in the 90s, I guess, when that could be, right? Or women are waiting for an inheritance. Or they run to their parents. Or, again, they run to boyfriends. And I never paid a woman's debt. Never paid a woman's debt. I mean, when you're married, your finances are become one. But never paid a woman's debt. I don't, I mean, that's horrible. Because that's saying that there's a money aspect to the romantic Relationship. Somebody says, I'm a guy in 15K in debt. Need to sort my shit out as soon as possible. Get out of that shit, man, because interest rates and inflation, man. I mean, they just raised the rates, right? With it 6% now for a long-term mortgage. Yeah, it's crazy. So a lot of women are stressed. Now, if Kevin Samuels was the kind of guy who's like, oh, yes, just step over my Lamborghini and come into my beautiful house and look at all the money and I'm dressed to the nines and I'm very wealthy... And if he gave women the impression that somehow they could get access to his money because he might be open to some kind of relationship. Now, I'm not saying he did. Not at all saying he did. And let's take, you know, the recently deceased Kevin Samuels out of the equation because it's not fair and I don't know, right? So let's just say Bob, right? So Bob has a lot of money. And Bob just dangles this money, right? He's in the champagne room. He's, he's in the VIP suite. He's pulling up in a massively expensive car and he's taking this woman. So he's just like, and women salivate over this, like, oh my God, this could be this answer to all my problems. I, I can be with this guy and just the money is going to just flow and there's so much money. You know, my debt is nothing compared to how much money this guy has, right? My, my debt is one tire on his car. And women get excited at the prospect of being relieved of their financial burdens. Kevin was over 200 deep for sure. Are you talking about number of women he'd slept with? So if you use your money as a way to attract women, then 
of course the women are, are responsible and it's not a UPB violation and they're still making their choices. But there are some kinds of pretty hard to resist temptations that you really shouldn't dangle in front of people, in my opinion. Is, is it a kind of fraud if Bob, the theoretical Bob, right? Is it a kind of fraud if the woman's heavily in debt and if she's a nurse, right? She's a nurse, she may be in debt, right? Nurse, nursing can be expensive, a lot of student loans. But if our theoretical Bob is dangling a lot of money in front of women who are in debt and, and need money and so on, it's part of his seduction strategy. Because women as a whole see a man with excess resources and automatically put themselves in that situation, just automatically put themselves in that situation. Are so many young women into socialism because of student debt? Well, I mean, partly because of student debt, partly because of propaganda, but women are into socialism because socialism crosses wires with the family, right? What is socialism, right? Communism, right? From each according to their ability to each according to their needs. Well, what's that? That's parents and babies, parents and toddlers, parents and children, right? From each according to their ability, that's parents making money, having resources, to each according to their need. Well, you don't charge your children rent, you don't charge them for meals, any of this stuff, right? So the reason why Marxism in particular which comes from a gynocentric culture to some degree, right? So the reason why it's so, women are so susceptible to socialism is it crosses wires with their sense of how economics work within the family, and they absolutely should work that way in the family. So let me see here, just a couple of good questions. Is prostitution unethical? Well, it's not a violation of the non-aggression principle, but... It is incredibly destructive to both parties involved emotionally, right? Steph, I think you are giving the gold diggers too much credit. It's not really a thought. It's just a random opinion. So you may be confusing random opinions with thoughts. A thought is an argument with reason and evidence. All right. I'm sorry. Um, let me just double check in with the caller here. Does that uh, uh, help? Uh, in terms of questions, uh, if I miss stuff, please please let me know. Um, no, you answered my question very well. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Steph. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Does socialism tie back to people feeling entitled when they haven't received what they were owed as babies? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Everybody has this fantasy that whatever you were missing as a baby can be provided by someone as an adult, and you'll feel better, and you'll feel fine, and you'll feel good. And it's all solved, and it's all better. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. If you lacked food as a baby, eating more as an adult, stealing food as an adult, going to buffets as an adult, will not solve the problem. Right? Let's say that you were malnourished as a child and you grew up a foot shorter. Eating more as an adult is just going to make you wider, not taller. Can't. Right? Thinking that there's some cure other than grief for what you didn't get as a child is one of the foundational lies that is destroying the world. Seriously, foundational lies that are destroying the world. The only solution to what you didn't get as a child, to the trauma or neglect that was inflicted on you as a child, the only solution is grief. Grieving for what was missing, grieving for what was gone, grieving for what was taken, grieving for what was inflicted on you. That's the only solution. There's no shortcut. There's no bypass. There's no political party. There's no cult. There's no drug. There's no 
lust or desire or money that will ever solve that. The only thing that will solve the losses of the past is honest, look in the fucking mirror, cry, yell, grieve. Acknowledge what was taken from you. Acknowledge what was inflicted on you. Then you can get past it. But if you think there's some other solution, if I make enough money, if I sleep with enough women, if I sleep with enough men, if I take enough drugs, if I learn how to dance well enough, if I get a six-pack, if I work out, if I get ripped, if I get famous, if I nurture my talent, all of these things will magically solve the scars and brutalities of my early years. won't happen, and it seems about 80% of our economy relies on, well, we'll sell you shit, and then you won't have to grieve. You know, if you get really perfect eyebrows, you won't have to grieve. You know, if you get a hair transplant, you won't have to grieve. You know, if you work out, you won't have to grieve. You know, if you wear this much makeup, you won't have to grieve. You know, if you dye your hair, you won't have to grieve. You know, if you dress this way, if you own this car, if you own this house, if you own something, you won't have to grieve. TFL, total fucking lie. Everything you run from overtakes and overwhelms you. Turn and face that shit. You didn't get it. It's really tragic. It's really horrible. I feel for you. I'm so sorry you didn't get it. Nothing's going to fix it now. Nothing is going to make up for what you didn't get as a child. Nothing ever, ever. And there's so many people who will just lie to you. Lie to your ass and tell you, well, buy my shit. Pay me. Buy this thing. Give me money for that. And you'll never have to turn around and face what happened, ever. And it's a repeat model of financing because you'll just feel worse. Over time, you keep running back to materialism. You know what malls are? Malls are just cathedrals of delusion on the graves of child abuse. It's all there. Ooh, there's this new fashion. Buy this, and you'll feel, I'm feeling cute. I just might go shopping. I don't know. Buy these shoes, baby, and you'll be snapping and walking. Get that cute guy interested in you and you'll never have to deal with the fact that your daddy left when you were five. Amazon is, well, my parents didn't deliver, so maybe you can. Video games. You don't have the dopamine called genuine achievement based on love of self and respect of your virtuous application of talents. And they called their little badges now. This didn't exist when I was a kid. You go to high school, you could put your three initials in, right? F-U-K. But now you get these badges, bing, and you can share them with all your friends. Or bing, so-and-so did such and such. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. Clothes get sluttier and sluttier every year. Yeah, because childhoods are getting worse and worse every year. Childhood is about the worst it's been in many ways ever. 
Because childhood is torture with no hope of redemption, at least in the past, with religiosity, with Christianity, there was original sin, but there was a path to redemption, there was a way out, there was a future, and you were loved. Now, you're just a cancer on the planet and an entitled racist and a patriarch, and there's no redemption, there's no way out. Do we ought to follow truth? This isn't aggression. It's not under UPB. UPB assumes that we ought to follow truth, though. Should we follow truth? <laughs> You're assuming, John, that I'm going to give you an honest answer. That the honesty of my answer has value. So you've just You've answered your own question in the form of asking it. It's all you need to do. 90% of philosophy is just looking at the form of what you're doing and universalizing it. What is a good general overview book on various major philosophers and periods? Uh, Will Durant has a pretty good history of philosophy series. Why do men donate their bank accounts in hopes they'll give you false hope of attention? You mean to, to women, like to girls on the OnlyFans and streamers and so on? Why are there webcam girls? Well, if a man offers a woman a gift and she takes that gift, that usually is a sign that she's interested. That's the way it used to work in history, right? So if you gave money to a married woman, she would say, what are you doing? I'm a married woman. I'm not taking money from you. What are you, crazy? Right? But if a single woman takes money from you, it indicates that she's interested in you, so they're paying for the illusion of a relationship. Because what is a relationship? Why does it exist? Why is there pair bonding? Why is there sexuality? Why are there males and females? So that men can transfer resources to women, and women can use those resources to create the next generation. Men make money, men give money to women, and women spend the money on children to keep them alive. Trickle-down economy, baby. Tsunami-down economy, whatever you want to call it. Men make, they give, women keep alive. That's, that's the deal. So the transfer of wealth from men to women is foundational to the entire survival of our species because women disabled with childbirth and toddlers running around and going near cliffs and there are wolves around and rats. You've got to protect. You've got to make sure the food is clean. You've got to make sure the water is clean. You've got to make sure the clothes are clean. Get the scabies out. Get the ticks and tetsy flies out. Women's work is keeping the species alive when we're the death magnets known as toddlers. Men's is to go out there and make about 10 times you would, what you would need to survive in order to keep your family alive. That's the deal. So the transfer of wealth from men to women is foundational to sexual selection. And so when a woman accepts a man's gift, his lizard brain thinks he's in. It's exploiting, it's hacking the lizard brain. Stefan, could you please provide some clarity as to the distinction between empiricism, rationalism, and skepticism? So empiricism is that all knowledge is derived from the evidence of the senses. Rationalism, and that, that's Aristotelianism, rationalism is the idea that we have knowledge that is completely independent of the senses, which would be the platonic world of forms and ideals and so on. And skepticism is the argument that we can't prove anything. Now, for empiricism, you can see my truth about Aristotle. For rationalism, you can see my truth about Plato. 
For skepticism, you can read UPB, wherein I deal with the radical skepticism first encapsulated in the writings of, well, best encapsulated in the writings of uh, Hume, the Scottish philosopher. So, hope that helps. Do you think that women can detect men who sleep around? Yes. And there, there are signs. There are signs. So, men who sleep around approach women without fear, because usually they're very high status in terms of looks or money, and they're hyper-confident, and that means that they're very well-practiced. And men who are very well-practiced at approaching women approach a lot of women and have figured out what works for them and what works to succeed. And so, yeah, a man who comes up and who's totally easy and confident and calm and so on is definitely a player, for sure. But the moral law that we ought to follow truth isn't in UPB. The moral law that we ought to follow truth. So lying is not a violation of UPB, unless it falls under the category of fraud, it's theft material transfer based upon a, a truth that turns out to be false, that's known to be false ahead of time, right? The, the whole Elizabeth Holmes thing, right? So if you believe that UPB has a problem, has a contradiction, is incomplete, then you're saying that People should improve things which have lesser quality. They should finish what is incomplete, which is an ought, right? So, again, you're back to UPB again. It's crazy how many orbiters are on Twitch e-girl chats. Don't they realize how pathetic they are? But I assume that it simply makes masturbation more pleasurable, and that's a really sad substitute for a family. What do you have used on Hegel? Uh, a, a huge monster. Uh, all before the age of the internet, all famous philosophers served power. It's the only reason they were allowed to be kept and talk. Uh, what are your views on Heidegger? Uh, a monstrously complicated and convoluted guy who was in the Nazi party. And I think that's kind of all you need to know about Heidegger, right? I just kicked my mother-in-law out of my house. Well, if she's bad for you, then good for you. With those definitions, are you an empiricist? Yes. I feel so many people in power lie and know they're lying. They get away with it constantly. I'm beginning to think there isn't real punishment for such. In fact, maybe the opposite. Well, but the people in power... I mean, I just wrote a whole novel about this, so I won't get into it into too much detail. Again, freedomain.locals.com. A couple of bunks you, you can start, you can listen to. I did the first hour of the audiobook today. It's really great, in my opinion. Um, they don't view it as lying. They don't view it as lying at all. When a tiger is lying in the grass, the tall grass, right, is, is he lying? I mean, he's pretending to be grass when he's not grass. He's not jumping up and saying, oh, by the way, Shere Khan says, I'm a tiger, not grass, right? It's not lying. He's simply doing what works. He's pretending to be something other than he is, to be tall grass rather than a tiger, because that's what gets him the meat. That's what gets him his food. So deception 
is foundational to nature. Deception is foundational to nature. The zebras do it with their stripes, which confuse the eye of the tiger or the lion, I suppose, in this circumstances. Sharks are pale on the bottom so that when you look up, they look like the sky and they're dark on the top. So when you look down, they look like the bottom of the ocean or the depths. You ever see a, a cat slowly creeping up, silently as possible, moving so slowly that the mouse can't see it? Deception. You've got cuckoos laying their eggs in other birds' nests. Deception is foundational to nature. And nature is about power. So the people in power are acting in full accordance to nature. Oh, do I need to pretend like Dr. Oz, right? Do I need to pretend to be really conservative in order to get power? Okay, I'll pretend to be really conservative, which is fine until Jack Posobiec has his endless <laughs> Alexandrian vault of receipts, right? They're not lying in the way that you and I would understand it. They're simply saying what they need to say in order to get what they want, right? If you had a magic spell that gave you $10,000, would you use that magic spell? Sure you would. Are you lying? No, you're just speaking the words that get you the resources. If you were trapped by someone and had to lie to that person to get out, you know the old, okay, you've kidnapped me, but I really need to go to the washroom when you don't actually have to go to the washroom. Okay, well... Are you lying? No, you just you want your freedom and you're going to say whatever words it takes to get your freedom. So don't look at them. I mean, yes, they're lying and so on, but because they're post-morality, beyond good and evil, right? they've given up, I believe, what is most human about them. That's the soul and the, the universals and the morality. So they know that other people care about morality, so they will use... Those moral standards, right? Isn't there some guy who was complaining about orgies in, in, in Washington and, and now he's being attacked? It's like, well, I mean, the people who, Michel Foucault, right? I mean, the most cited modern philosopher, particularly on the left, was an AIDS-riddled an AIDS child rapist. So they don't care about morality, but they know other people care about morality, so they'll use moral language to get what they want. But it's not lying because they don't have a standard of truth that they would wish to uphold. Like a, a, a sadistical torturer knows what really hurts his victims, where the real nerve clusters are and the pain centers are. He knows those things because he wants to inflict pain. Right? Whereas if you know, you're getting a massage, they're going to try and avoid the painful spots or at least do them gently until they relax or whatever, right? So saying that those in power lie is like saying that predators hide until they can eat you. Yeah, of course they do. It's the only way they can eat you. Do you have any advice on the grief and acceptance thing? I can't seem to get there. Well, you can't get there because you still think that there's some solution other than grief. As long as you think there's a solution other than grief, you will simply stall grief. Just delaying your life, delaying your movement forward. You have to look deep in your heart and say, okay, what if there is nothing but grief, right? All, all mental dysfunction in many ways is the avoidance of legitimate suffering. You, you accept that suffering and, and you'll be better thereby. Because 
you understand, if you don't grieve, you're never safe. If you don't grieve the abuses that were done to you, you will never be safe. Grief is a way of saying never again, never again will this happen to me. I have fully grieved it, and therefore I have no repetition compulsion. I can identify these people. I will never let them back into my life, and all will be safe and secure and happy. Or at least safe and secure. Happiness can't be guaranteed, but safety and security, yes. Grieving is safety. When you fully grieve for what was done to you as a child, it will never be redone to you as an adult. There's no such thing as cheating in nature. No, that's right. That's right. And post-morality, what's cheating? Post-morality, what is cheating? What is lying, right? You understand, the people in power are post-morality. They, they don't have a sense of ethics that you and I would understand. They will use ethical language because they know we're susceptible to it, but Stefan, how do you see the Russia-Ukraine conflict ending? Is this conflict here to stay for a long time? Will it escalate into something else? Yeah, I, I know the answer to that, but I'm not going to talk about it. It's too close to politics. Sorry. I observed there are more stage mothers than stage fathers when it comes to music, e.g. piano lessons. Uh, thoughts? Well, in the past, women would show musical ability as a proxy for IQ, for intelligence, right? Musical ability, high dexterity, um, high mental process. This is why singing evolved, right? Singing, intense vocal control and the ability to be loud uh, shows a form of, of, of high physical dexterity and ability, right? So women would learn foreign languages, though they would rarely speak them. They would learn piano, though they would rarely end up playing it professionally as a way of saying, I have enough leisure to learn this. I have enough discipline to learn this and I have enough motor control to do this well, which means I'm high quality, right? This, remember, all of this stuff evolved before there were IQ tests. Steph, is there any value of men experimenting before settling down? Why is this push so much? Well, because if you experiment enough, you will never settle down, and it kills the birth rate, right? Is the concept of UPB found in sense data? Do you have knowledge of the concept of UPB? So, John, there's a whole book out there that's free. I don't understand why you keep asking these questions that are answered in the book. I wrote that. And if you don't want to read through the whole UPB book, you can go to essentialphilosophy.com. The book is free there too, and it's got the most compressed encapsulation of UPB that I've ever written. So just, you know, coming to to ask questions that are easily answered in a free book is lazy as hell and annoying. Just, you know, just giving you honest feedback, right? I wrote the book. I put years into developing the theories. I put months and months into reading, into writing the book. I've made the book available completely for free, never take taken a dime for, for the free books. And... You know, when you're just coming and saying, okay, your book is free, your life's work is totally free, it's available in a wide variety of formats, I can read it online, I can read it in Kindle format, I can read, listen to the audio book, right, I can buy a physical copy if I want, okay, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to come and pester you with a bunch of complicated questions that I could easily get for free. And the reason I wrote the book was so, you understand, I wouldn't have to do this, right, so the fact that you keep asking me these questions is uh, intrusive and annoying, and I'm just giving you that feedback, not because you're an intrusive and annoying person as a whole, but just, you know, you need to get that feedback so that you can um, not do this to people, right? Morality, okay. Uh, thank you, Steph. Love, Just Poor, by the way. Oh, man, is that ever a great book? Holy crap. Holy crap. 
Opinion on women that are done having their fun now. Time to make it harder to find a partner. Oh, those women are extraordinarily dangerous. Because they haven't grieved for the lies they were told that had them waste the living shit out of their 20s. Right. Oh, I've had my fun. I'm ready to settle down now. As opposed to, oh my God, I realized that I wasted my 20s on trashy men, on stupid travel, on useless purchases. And now that my sexual market value is fading, I'm desperate for a guy. That's a humility and a grieving that is essential. But it's just like, well, I've had my fun. I'm, I'm really happy to settle down. I'm ready. You know, well, that's just dangerous. That's like a red flag 101, man. People who've made terrible decisions and never grieved them. People who've been lied to and never grieved how much they were lied to. People who haven't had someone in their life telling them to stop wasting their 20s and their height of sexual market value. Find a great guy, settle down. But have let them just oingo boingo all over hell's half acre of the cock carousel. Well, that's really tragic that the women didn't have people in their lives, particularly a father or a mother who sat down, or a grandmother, grandfather, anybody, aunt, uncle, I don't care, a brother, sit down and say, stop this. Is becoming black-pilled a method of avoiding grief? Absolutely. Yeah, giving up hope is a way of avoiding grief, for sure. Because grief says, I have a capacity for safety. Grief says, I have a capacity for safety. Being blackpilled says there is no capacity for safety and no hope in the future. What about women who settle down at 30 and convert to Christianity? Are they trustworthy? Well, it depends. It, did they sit there and say, I can't believe how much I was lied to, right? This is, this is the speech that you would want from someone who was 30, a woman who was 30 who wants to settle down and is trustworthy says, wow, you know, I finally came across some good information after all the lies that have been shoved down my throat along with various other Chad Thunder pricks. I finally found... The truth, somebody finally had the courage to tell me the truth. Somebody finally had the courage to enlighten me. And I'm horrified and appalled at all the lies I was told. I'm horrified and appalled at how I handed myself out like bottled water at a rave for everyone and everything to pour. It disgusts me. I'm revolted. I'm repulsed by how I was and how much I was lied to. I'm really angry at the people in my life who let that happen to me. I'm really angry at the parents who raised me to not have any greater sense of self-respect than just to pretend I have value by satisfying squalid men's lusts, like a thing, like an object, like a fleshlight. And I've confronted those people and I'm, I've told them exactly how angry I've confronted the people who taught me. I've confronted the people who failed to protect me. I've confronted my own capacity for greed, for the unearned. I did not earn my vagina. I did not earn the lust that men have for me. And it took me about two years to go through that whole process of grieving and anger and confrontation. Okay. As opposed to, I found Jesus, I'm good, let's go, let's settle down. Nope, nope, danger, danger, danger. Danger, danger, danger. If all knowledge comes through sense data, how can we know that our concepts accurately matching up to reality? See, here's the thing, John. Slow the fuck down and look at what you're doing. Honestly, brother, seriously, stop trolling. You, you, you know you're typing, right? You're typing and you're asking people to read your language. Now, if they're able to accurately read your language and understand it, that's knowledge coming through sense data. It's coming through the eyes. You see, see what I'm doing here? It's coming through the eyes. Slow the hell down. 
slow the hell down. If you're, if you're not trolling, right? If you're actually interested in these things rather than asking quasi-deep, difficult questions so that you can feel superior to other people. Just slow the hell down and say, okay, well, I'm relying on people's vision to be able to type my sentence. So what does that say about epistemology? What does that say about metaphysics? What does that say, right? What does that say that I'm relying on people's eyesight and sense data to communicate my argument and I'm relying on them accurately perceiving? If I had read your sentence wrong, John, if I had read your sentence wrong, do you know what you would say? Oh, no, no, you read it wrong. That's not what I said. Let me repeat what I said. You read it wrong, Steph. Right? So you would say to me, Steph, you can see it the way I could see it. You just read it wrong. What does that say about the evidence of the senses? You're relying on the evidence of the senses to communicate your entire argument. And you're relying on them being 100% accurate to, to get each one of these letters, each one of these words the flow of the argument, you're relying 100% on people's eyesight. And then you're saying, well, how can we know the sense is valid? It's like, well, you're relying on the senses to communicate your argument. For God's sake, slow down and look at what the hell you're doing. That's all philosophy is. Just slow down and look at what you're doing. How do you come up with these monologues on the spot like that? Creativity and experience. <laughs> I've been doing this for 40 years. Ah. Wow, Steph just untied the knot that is in John's soul in a matter of minutes. Yeah, so a lot of people, it's moving the goalposts, right? So what they do is they come in with these big, complicated, messy questions without ever having really thought through things, right? And they come in with these big, complicated, messy questions, and then they have people trip and tie them up in knots and contradict themselves, and then they feel, oh, look how superior I am, and look how, how really sad and pitiful this, this philosophical, quote, philosophical community is. They don't really even seem to answer the basic questions that I come up with. They're all just self-deluded fools, and I'm the real wise one here. I'm the Yoda, the Buddha. It's just blech. boring. Boring, boring, boring. Non-virgins fall for shitty women all the time. Uh, shitty women? Uh... There's only one. <laughs> Amber Heard, by all accounts. Stefan's real voice comes out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I've been I've been Elizabeth Holmesing it for <laughs> 16 years of public life. That is my real voice. <laughs> all right. Shall we, as they say, shut it down? I think so. I think so. A uh, great evening. I My voice is a little rough. Sorry about that. But I was doing a lot of passionate. You know, it's funny. I recorded video of me doing my audiobook so you can see the mad gestures and jumping that I do to get the right language out at the right level of ferocity. Someone told me to lower my standards in terms of physical attractiveness of the women I pursue in order to be able to settle down with one. Of course, because time's going to erase the physical attractiveness anyway. Do you know how hot I was when I was younger? It was bone chilling, let me tell you. But of course, time is going to scrub away beauty anyway. And time and children and tiredness and oh, come on, right? You, you're building your, your house on sand if you are going for looks. Absolutely. Please post online. I just came into the room. Yeah, I will. I will. All right. Thanks, everyone, for a wonderful, wonderful evening. A great pleasure to chat with you. Freedomain.com forward slash donate if you could help out. I'd really, really appreciate it. I'm just trying to whip the old show's finances back into shape after a couple of years of pandemic and not asking for donations. So, um, yeah, sorry, Luke. Uh, I'll be around on the weekend. I'll do another show, um, probably Sunday, maybe around noon. 
but uh, jump by then. And yeah, thanks everyone so much for dropping by tonight. A great pleasure. Don't forget. Freedomain.locals.com. Great community. Lots of questions to be asked and answered there. And have yourself a beautiful, beautiful night. Love you guys so much. Take care. Bye.